Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the Rate the Record podcast, episode 32, and I have literally nothing clever to say because 32 is not really a relevant number, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have anything witty either for the first time ever because I'm just oh so witty. Well, there you go. You're not so witty host for the day are Chris and... Savannah. That's right. That is us. And this is the Rate the Record podcast. So thank you very much for stopping on by and checking out the show today. We sure do hope that you like what you see. And if you do, remember to hit that like, subscribe button, rate, comment, share, follow, all those great things. We say it all the time. We're trying to build that musical community. We want you to be a part of it. And that's probably the best way to do it, especially out there in the audio world. Leave ratings and comments. That really builds up, uh, builds us up in the, uh, you know, the rating, not ratings, I guess ratings. I don't know, whatever the scale of things. I don't know words today. Yeah. I'm very tired. People will love us more if you love us first. Exactly. People like you will be able to join alongside and make the community even bigger. And it's very much appreciated. Yeah. And of course, there's also the optional way to support us too. That the financial way that is Kofi.com slash rate the record. Uh, Go ahead and uh, check that out if that seems like something you want to do. There are tiers. We're going to be adding things to them. It's going to be great. So if you want to do that, that's always an option. But again, big keyword, optional. uh, Because don't worry, the podcast is still free. Don't even worry about that. But we are planning some bonus content. I'll tell you that much. That's going to be strictly for Kofi. But don't worry, everything else, all the mainstays are going to be free for as long as we can go. Excellent. I say excellent as if this is news to me or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to wait. I'm part of this. Never mind. Yeah. So it's like you, you, I like how you would act like you don't even know what the hell's going on either. It's like yeah. we're planning bonus content. Who, who am I? Who are you? Where am I? Ah, but, yes. But yes, today's episode 32. And it's uh, another one of those special episodes that we like to dig into because it is yet another listener requested episode. So many of these lately, it's been fantastic. We've had a lot of fun doing them. So make sure you check that link down in the description below if you want to have your request in today as well. But before we move any further on that, there is a disclaimer that we do like to read at the beginning of each podcast to make sure that we're all cool with things. We're all on the same page. You know, we're not being b-holes about things. If we agree or disagree, it's all cool. We're just having a musical discussion. So what is that disclaimer? All right, I'm going to try this in one run without laughing. Do it. The following thoughts and opinions. I am terrible at this. Wow, you didn't even get half a sentence through. Because the thought of me laughing made me laugh. My (laughs) lord. Uh, I'm my own biggest fan. Take two. (laughs) The following thoughts and opinions we're going to discuss and rate the record regarding this album are strictly of our own personal interests. We are not personal, professional. We are not professional music reviewers. We are simply two friends having fun discussing and listening to music. We encourage respectful discussion and friendly banter of each episode. We do not condone and will not tolerate bullying or belligerence based on the opinions of ourselves or others. This podcast is a casual and for fun project, and you are welcome to take what we say regarding the albums we rate with a grain of salt. Now, we can just, like, edit all of the times that I've said that into one seamless run because I don't know if I've ever had one. The, I, I just really <laughs> like this whole part, though, where, like, you purposely put a lot of pressure on yourself <laughs> saying, I won't laugh, I won't do this. And then it was, like, one of the weakest takes you've done of that. Just don't even <sighs> think about it next time. Just run through it. Yeah, but the thought of me at the end of a kid's toy commercial makes me laugh. I don't know why. Well, maybe I'll just, like, speed it completely up so I can't even understand what you're saying. Then you'll appear that way. Yep. Ah, all right. I'll do that then. 
Well, as mumbled and stumbled as that was, that is a disclaimer that we like to read. It's all good, but today, episode 32, Shane wants us to take a look, or a listen, I should say, to Kate Bush and her 1985 album, Hounds of Love, that is the requested album for the day. So that's what exactly what we're going to do, because again, you request the albums, and we will do them, I, I, I assure you. So, just in case I you don't know who Kate Bush is, she is like one of the more... One of the most influential artists that come out of the 80s, and it, it, Shane does kind of give us a, like, a little rundown of that, too. He, uh, as I said before, in our request forums, there's like a little, why did you request this album? Do you like this artist? Blah, blah, blah. He gave us uh, quite a bit, but then I also have my own little thing to read, which I'll read now, then I'll read his. Cool. So, Kate Bush, born Catherine Bush, was born July 30th, 1958 in Bexley, Bexley Heath, England. Mm, I, that's I'm never so good. English. I'm not good with those, like, town <laughs> names from England. She's a singer, songwriter, musician, dancer, and record producer. Kate began writing songs at the age of 11 and would go on a little later in her teen years to be signed to EMI Records after Pink Floyd guitarist David Gilmore produced her first demo tape. Dang. Aside from her first two albums, she would eventually go on to produce her studio albums either on her own or with a minor co-producer. Her music has been classified as art pop and art rock, amongst other titles, due to her unique and experimental approach to the genres. She's been nominated for many awards across the industry and has some wins under her belt, including a BMI award, a Brit award, an Edison, an NME, and so many more. There's a lot of letters in there, so I literally had to scrap a lot of that <laughs> list because I don't want to just read the alphabet the entire time. She has been nominated three times for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2018, 2021, and 2022, but so far has not been inducted. That just seems kind of crazy to me. Yeah. But her fifth studio album, Hounds of Love, was released in September 1985 under EMI Records and was recorded at various studios across the UK and Ireland, including Wickham Farmhouse Studio, Windmill Lane Studios, and the legendary Abbey Road Studios. Yes, that's where the Beatles recorded. The album was a huge success, having sold 1.1 million copies to date and receiving vast amounts of praise and accolades. The album received perfect reviews across almost the entire board, including outlets like the Los Angeles Times, Mojo, Pitchfork, Q, and Sounds. The album did respectably well in the charts, having hit number one in the UK and Dutch charts, and the top and in the top 10 for, for most other countries. Two times platinum in the UK, platinum in both Canada and Germany, and gold in France and Netherlands. The album spawned four singles, Running Up That Hill, parentheses, A Deal With God, Hounds of Love, The Big Sky, and Cloud Busting. With all of those accolades and uh, talk about platinum, gold, all this, with all that ice, I would break my neck. That That is a lot of... That is a lot to bear for a person. And I had no idea that she was that, I, I don't want to say famous, but I guess well-known and beloved because I've only heard her name. I literally have only heard one song by her, but that was because somebody covered it. Yeah. And I, I think I'm the same way. I, I was kind of unaware of her up until like maybe a few years ago. Yeah. Um, But to kind of like add on top of all that, uh, as I said, Shane wrote a little something here about why he chose Kate Bush. And he kind of it, it's like a paragraph and it kind of feels like something you would read on Wikipedia. But I can I can assure you he wrote these in his own words. <laughs> Kate Bush is one of the greatest of the last 50 years with brilliant songwriting and a one-of-a-kind voice. She has left her mark in the music world and she has been cited as an influence on artists such as Bjork, Sia, Stephen Wilson, and Porcupine Tree. Wink, nudge there, Savannah. Nice. 
Imogen Heap, I think I'm saying that one right. I know that name, I just don't know if I pronounce it right. Lord, Lady Gaga, Grimes, Fiona Apple, Regina Spector, Adele, and Rufus Wainwright, and the list just goes on and on. Jesus. I think, he says, this is Shane's words, I think this album is a good display of her ability to write radio-friendly hits that still had substance, along with her willingness to venture into more avant-garde styles. Kate Bush was an early adapter of synthesizers in the pop-rock world, and I think this album makes great use of electronic instruments without treating them as a novelty. Bush writes a story with every song with with a, every song with its own cast of characters and world building. She rarely wrote from her own perspective, but would rather create characters to explore her ideas. Ooh. I've actually, in the last couple of years, have started to really appreciate artists that kind of just... You, you think, how did all this stuff happen to this one person? None of it happened to them. It's just they have such a vivid and wild imagination that they can just write any scenario and make it sound personal. And I really appreciate that. I've tried that myself as a musician. Uh, I always tend to write from a personal standpoint because I think it's like the easiest stepping stone, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, to do world building, it, it can get kind of difficult. Like you really need to sit down and think these things through. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Shane did also have his uh, his own like little song rankings or album rating as well. But I'll read that later on in the show as we get to those portions. Yes. But for now, we can actually start talking about the album itself. So let's get into it. Track number one, the first single from the album, Running Up That Hill, parentheses, A Deal With God. The only song that I have ever heard by Kate Bush because Placebo covered it. Oh. Um, the I, I feel like the beat kind of makes me feel like it's like a heartbeat because it's fairly steady and it's just I don't know it it like makes me feel things but I can't put words to those things it's just like I don't know it felt a little intense in a way no that makes sense because like as a note of intensity you say heartbeat but I always I, I took it as kind of like a galloping sensation Ooh. And especially with the theme of like running up that hill, like that's kind of that's, that matched it up with me, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, this this there was a really cool percussive start to this track that kind of gave it that galloping sensation throughout the entire song. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, this doesn't come up too often in the album, so I, I I got the note out of the way like pretty much immediately. There's a lot of cool synth sounds on this album, but I'm not really digging the sound that is the lead through this song, though. No. I mean, like the ambient synths are really nice, but. The lead, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of weird. It just sounds a little cheesy, but I guess it's just a product of its time. Is it? Is it the one that kind of sounds like synth woodwinds in a way? Maybe kind of. It was like, pew, wee, yeah, like that, yeah. that kind of note. I, I don't even remember yeah. at this point. But yeah, there's certain synth noises I'm not huge on. Uh, you don't really hear like a lot of that kind of stuff through the album. Like You do hear different synths, and but they fit in better and they sound better. Yeah. It was just this like one time that kind of stood out to me, I suppose. Yeah. Um, this can go across the entire album, but I do really like the like exaggerated flares in her vocal presentation. Yeah. Like in a way it makes it feel kind of cartoony, but it's, it's just, it's her getting into it like emotionally, passionately. And it just, it sounds really cool the way she does it. It's like, it's definitely something that grew on me over time. Cause I remember when I first heard Kate Bush like a few years ago, it didn't sit as well with me. I was just like, oh, this seems kind of silly. But I mean, like over the years, obviously it got better. And having uh, listened to this album, it was like three or four times before we reviewed it. Yeah. Um, it's just something that's more comfortable with me now. And there's, I have a lot more to appreciate about it, I guess. Okay. Just jumping off that point, uh, 100% agree. Uh, I haven't listened to it that many times. I think maybe 
once or twice to actually write this and then a third time all the way through just to, you know, like you do kind of make sure all the notes you wrote are accurate and all that stuff. Um, first time, didn't care for it. There were some songs that was like, cool. Rest of it, I was like, eh, whatever. Second time, I kind of knew what to expect. Third time, I'm like, okay, this is, it's kind of growing on me and it's not growing on me like mold. It's growing on me like something I want. So I was cool with that. Um, around three minutes or so, it kind of started to sound like aggressively heartfelt. So that might kind of be with like the vocal styles kind of just pushing a little bit more. Um, and the background vocals, they kind of make me feel like confused and disoriented. And I was just imagining just like running and having sort of people following you all like sort of talking at the same time. I don't know. No, and actually, there's there's quite a few moments like that on this album, especially in the back half, which we will yeah. get to when we do, because it, it gets pretty artsy in the back half of the album. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like another kind of uh, synth thing I I noticed in the song that I, I I liked, but it was hard to pinpoint. There was like this strange, glassy, glitchy sounding synth that kind of came into the second chorus. I found it interesting because I was trying to pinpoint exactly what I was hearing. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was, but I still do enjoy it. I thought that was kind of a cool, like a little uh, kind of textural addition to the track. Yeah. Um, the hook in the chorus is like really simple and really memorable, which is great. You know, it's just running up the hill, make a deal with God, like that whole thing. Yeah. Like I, I thought that was really cool. There's not, nothing too intense about it. But I mean, there is an intensity about it, but it, it, it's very simple, straightforward. You can understand it and just. I mean, it's in my head, so it's good. I love the melody of it. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. And just from a production standpoint, the dynamic range is, like, everywhere on this track. I mean, like, it, it's a really intriguing choice to do that mixing and mastering. It just feels like a lot of... There's some parts that kind of just splash out really loud out of nowhere. Like, it's emphasizing certain moments. Yeah. I do like that. Like, if it's done properly, I don't mind that. Because usually in a dynamic range, like, the song will be kind of kept the same throughout, so nothing is so jarring like most mixing and mastering will come down to that but in this one it's just kind of like let things explode when you want them to as long as it makes sense and i felt like it did so it was just kind of a treat to listen to things like that in this song i don't think i could beat that last point um i guess my last point was it felt like an optimistic start for uh for the first song it's you listen to it going okay i get into this and then that's when she's like well, you like that. Let's see what else I can give you. Yeah, we got some pretty big songs coming up too. We yeah. got a whole album to get through. And as I said, it does get pretty uh, artsy. And I said before, Avant Garde, or I think Shane might have mentioned Avant Garde in his little, little comment there. Yeah. Uh, you'll, you'll notice that as we go. Definitely. <laughs> so let's get into the second single of the album then Hounds of Love, the title track itself. Um, I immediately I noticed like another big percussive start to this song as like the last one too. And that happens like quite of quite often through the album. But the thing is it's, it feels so different every time. Like yeah. it's, it, it's expansive and like it, it, it's very emphasizing on like, I don't want to say the point it's trying to make, but just like they're there for a reason and it works. It sounds good too. And so I love how percussive everything's been so far and spoiler, spoiler alert, how it gets percussive through the album. Yeah. It does add a lot of power to an already expansive sound, so that's fantastic. Um, I feel like you'll hear this too throughout the album, but I feel like she's really showing her vocal strength in a track like this. Yeah. 
Um, like I like the little growl she has in her voice when she says the term and f- like throw like take your shoes off and throw them in the lake. I hated that at the beginning, <laughs> but the more I listen to it, the more I find it slightly endearing. I was gonna say endearing too because yeah. like just because again that's her putting like everything she has behind it and just like you can kind of grow to appreciate things like that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I literally could not discern her vocals during the first listen. I think I was just too preoccupied listening to what is this. Um, but it definitely got easier because, like I said, I know what to expect. So I started to, like, really appreciate it. Um, they, I, I don't know. I didn't have many notes for this one. Um, I think my big one was the drums at the beginning, like just the sort of heavy reverby drums uh definitely remind me of phil collins i don't care anymore um going forward i'm probably going to reference a lot of other songs that little snippets of this remind me of um but i mean she's in good company because i like these songs enough to reference them i guess um but uh yeah i i really liked how large the drums sound and there are a couple songs coming up where it's just sort of feels like you're sitting in the middle of a gigantic gymnasium and it's just it's coming at you from everywhere and i like that yeah and that's kind of what i was saying in the first song like a very expansive sound and yeah she utilizes that well through most of the songs in this album some of them are a little lackluster but i mean for the most part it, it's done very well but just kind of a, a sidetrack there because you did mention uh, Phil Collins. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to ask this completely off topic because I asked a long time ago on social media. Uh, Phil Collins or Peter Gabriel? Uh, I Who's don't a better lis- songwriter? Ooh, I don't think I've listened to enough Peter Gabriel to know. Um, but I've heard that Phil Collins is a dickhead, so I've always thought of that. Um, so I've never picked him solely based on that fact. I know he's a dickhead, but I've always chosen him anyways. I've... Uh, Peter yeah. Gabriel just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. I like Red um, Rain and that's about it. <laughs> uh, Phil Collins is definitely more mainstream and poppy. So I would say like mainstream success. Well, then even Peter Gabriel had like Sledgehammer and whatever. What's that album? So something like that. Yeah. So I don't know. That's uh, that's that's hard. I, I'm sure to some people it's like asking who's your favorite child. They're like, I don't know. I'd rather die than answer this. Easy, the one that loves me more. <laughs> the one who gives me 50 bucks. Yeah, the one that gives me allowance. <laughs> All right, uh, sorry for getting off topic there. Shane, just, uh, I, I felt like I had to get that one out because as soon as you mentioned Phil Collins, like that's a question I asked a long time ago. But regardless, <laughs> uh, yeah, w- with Hounds of Love, uh, the, the song, th- my gripe with this one is that like it always feels like it's building towards something but never mm-hmm. really reaches a satisfying conclusion like the yeah. entire track is building 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 and like even towards the last half it gets a little more grand you're like something's coming yeah but then it just kind of ends it just drops and ends it's just like did you just blue ball me <laughs> there's a couple songs coming up that are are like that i don't know if i've made point of them but i definitely thought of it i was like oh, we're really just getting oh okay I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still a really nice sounding track. I really did enjoy this one. Uh, yeah. Just I was kind of hoping for more of the ending, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, good song. Yeah, I agree. All right, then. Well, then I guess that means that we can probably move on to the next song. Probably we're going to move on to the next song. Damn right. Number three, The Big Sky. I like the way this one starts. 
Um, it definitely feels more what Savannah likes about 80s music-y. I don't know. It, it feels very, it, it feels as large as the subject. Like, again, it just, it feels big. Um, the piano underneath the bass, I, I don't know if I have good headphones or if that's just something that you hear, but I really like it. I like, I don't know. It just seems to play well together. Um, and uh, I like the electric guitar in this one, but it kind of feels like she had a feature player, kind of like how Eddie Van Halen did beat it, where it feels like somebody came in, recorded it, but didn't get credit for it because it just, I don't know if this really comes up in the rest of the album, but I, I heard it was like, Ooh, Ooh, is that, I like that. No, I know exactly, exactly what you're talking about too, yeah. because although I didn't make note of it here, I, I mentioned his name later on, but, uh, cause I did some comparisons to like Bowie or at least one of the other compared one of the other. Cause I, they either one influenced the other or they're both influenced by each other. I don't really know, but regardless, that'll come up later. But the guitar work, yeah, in this song in particular, reminds me of something I probably heard on the Scary Monsters album, which yeah. is one of my favorite Bowie albums. And so like when I heard like these like little solo licks, I was just like, you know what? That 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 reminds me so much of this song, blah blah blah. So I just really enjoyed it. That's really funny that you referenced that specific album. Because there is a song, and I'm going to keep saying this, there's a song coming up, but there's a song coming up that I had to look at which one of David Bowie's albums had the song I was thinking of, and it was that album. Excellent. So. It's because Scary Monsters is like the fucking greatest. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, The Big Sky, very grand and adventurous Mm -hmm. feeling in this song. Love that. It's a lot of fun and catches my attention like almost immediately. So, I mean, okay, you got me for moment one. Let's keep running with it. And yeah. boy, do we. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Like, yeah, there's like a great addition of like that muddy sounding thumping bass kind of going on. It's kind of like a pop or slap kind of bass. It's very aggressive and it's kind of cool. It it, it adds aggression to like an already an, a energetic and upbeat kind of mood to the track. So I thought that was really cool. Really great addition there. Um I lost count of the layers in this track, the different layers of like sound and everything like that. But everything I could hear and dissect felt like it was like played, it played a very relevant part in the overall sound. And so I, I, there's a lot to appreciate out of that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Here's my note about the electric guitar. I do love it. It's mostly in the background. Sometimes it feels a little buried. Like it kind of like feels like it dips behind something once in a while, but then again, it's not there to stand out. So it does work, especially when doing the solo licks that kind of come up and everything like that. So I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Again, just not too standout-ish or anything. And then, yeah, the, the the choir-like vocals singing, like, the motif has, like, a great tone to it. I think that's really cool. A yeah. lot of great layer, uh, like, harmonized layers there. Fantastic. And it makes an already big-sounding song sound that much bigger. So with the uh, sort of choir part, um, it kind of like what I imagine is this song, but in the setting of Madonna's Like a Prayer, where she's on the stage and then you got the choir behind and they're all singing and she's all dancing. And I know that's totally not the vibe, but just the sound of this song is too upbeat and poppy to not move to. Um, And... uh, my, my last note was 
this was a single, wasn't it? It had to be. Like, there's oh, yeah. no way that this song would be on an album and not be, like, sent out. There's no way. And even at, like, four and a half minutes long, like, it, you, you still don't really count the time at all. Like, because it's just, yeah. you're having, like, a lot of fun in this track. And the only thing you really notice about the time in this one is, like, it was a kind of a, a long fade out at the mm-hmm. end. But I other, made note of that, yeah. Other than that, though, like, that didn't bother me too much because, like, it was just a fun song. It's just kind of like you're watching this, like, fun little parade, like, march ahead of you just down the street. See you later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're all dancing. They got elephants and everything is all great. Yep. I liked it. It just Thumbs reminds up. me of a scene in The Simpsons where uh, Bart sees the Itchy and Scratchy parade go down the street, but then it goes to the, like the, the really like dingy part of Springfield. So it speeds <laughs> up and he's trying to chase it, but then it just keeps going and he like it outruns him, so it just disappears <laughs> over the hill. That's kind of like the image I get in my head. That's when the song ends and you just can't hear it and you're like, aw, it's gone. <laughs> All right, let's move on to song number four. The first one so far that's not a single, Mother Stands for Comfort. Um, I felt this was a, a good time to come down over the last three tracks because it's been a big push of energy up to this point. Yes. So I think this was a good time for a track like this, like obviously much quieter. And like there's a great combination of like fretless bass and piano to set the mood very well in this one. Mm-hmm. Obviously not the same type of track, but it did give me like these vibes in my head of um, New York Minute by Don Henley. Which I I adore that track too. That's really great. So it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. So that's cool. I don't know the song. I only know the movie by Mary Kate Nashley. Ew. The song well, is much better. I could just tell you that without having seen the movie. I am I am also a female around their age. <laughs> uh. Moving on. <laughs> <sighs> yep. Um. So the intro drums. They kind of sound like Joe Walsh's Life's Been Good. I heard it and was like, yeah, I hear the song. I mean, good company, like I said. Probably not the last time I'm going to say that. Um, I personally have a drum machine from what I assume to be the early to mid-90s. And um, listening to this song, I feel like, yeah, I could play this. I can't. I can't play this at all. But I feel like that's kind of a testament to, like, a good song or like a, a decently written song where someone can listen to it and be like, yeah, I could play that when you, you literally could not even try. Um, I, I found some of it sounded kind of, I don't want to say cheesy, but like of its time, I guess. So there's a lot of what I assume to be innovation at the time, but now you're just kind of like, the hell is this? So I kind of had to put that, aside a little bit yeah you'll find like even on albums or artists that people claim to be like ahead of its time you'll still find very much a product of its time in certain tracks and yeah i mean that was kind of me with uh running up that hill uh how they had those like synth lead that just i wasn't too fond of very much a product of its time yeah definitely um, interesting that you mentioned the like the drums too, because I did say in my notes here, like interesting to incorporate such an industrial style of percussion. Yeah. Uh, I, I noted that because industrial music wasn't super prominent by the time this album dropped. Like it was still it was it was kind of new, mainly underground, and meanwhile, like just all these weird percussive samples and sounds that she was using are is like a very industrial type style. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just thought that was really cool that she's kind of like getting in on that, despite the fact it's way outside of her genre, which yeah. I mean, she incorporates a lot into this album again, especially in the back half. So, I mean, I guess it's not too surprising. 
That's cool. Um, aside from like a well thought out use of layering in this track, I I felt this was one of the ones that kind of like lacked substance to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I feel like it made its point uh, like pretty early on in the track. It made it pretty clear. Not that every song needs to pop. Like I mean, whatever, take your time. But I mean, this one was definitely flatter than the rest. I agree to a point. Yeah. Um, I was kind of growing quickly tired of like glass breaking and mimicked gunshots or whatnot. It's just kind of, I don't know, it was a little much at a point, like here and there, cool, but like, I don't know, that just wasn't my favorite. Um, And I just straight up didn't like how it ended because it felt like someone yanked my cassette out of the player. It just did, even with repeat listens, I still just couldn't get over that even like just one more bar is a come down and then I could be fine with it. But I was like, okay, this is fun. And it's done. I'm like, ah, ah, <laughs> stop it. No, yeah, I guess it's understandable. But, but I mean, like, whatever. I, it must have been, like, a, a very purposeful choice, I guess. Yeah. As, especially because, like, I mean, to anyone who's new to the podcast, uh, we don't do lyric analysis, but everyone else already knows that by now. Yeah. Uh, so I'm pretty sure there's, like, some sort of story in that song there, especially if it's character and world building. Yeah. The chances are there's a reason why you keep hearing that kind of stuff. But because we don't do lyrics, I mean, maybe we're just missing some sort of point here. I, I would like to think that I miss almost all of the points and then make my own. So world well, that's, building. That's the best part about music. It's up to interpretation of the listener. I mean, even if it's really straightforward, you can interpret it however you want. Well, you keep talking about the back half of the album and I feel like that's really where I got the most vivid images from the music. So I feel like she was onto something on the back half. If that's what really what we're leading up to. Well, I know that the the back half is actually a whole concept section called the ninth suite. Don't please, please do not do this Primus thing where I say something and you're like, yeah, that's pretty much what it was. We'll we'll see, we'll yeah. see when we get there. Because yeah. okay. I, I was just reading about it last night before, well, like finishing up my notes and everything like that. So like, I, I kind of have an idea for what the suite's about. So we'll okay. see. We'll see how Good. close it is. Because I didn't look it up. So. All right, no. so in the meantime, let's go down to song number five, another single for the album, Cloud Busting. Um, this one didn't sit with me as well as a couple of the others prior. Um, at a certain point, everything at a constant quarter note beat just sort of annoyed me in a way. It was just sort of, I don't know, maybe it just made me feel unsettled. Um, I... <laughs> In this one, I kind of wanted the strings to end. Um, it was nice at the beginning to introduce the song, but it kind of felt like it felt like that guest that wouldn't leave, even though you've kind of slapped your thighs and tried to get out of your chair six times. And they're like, keep telling you the story. And you're like, OK, got it. Thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it felt too long to me for having just repeated sort of the same basic bits yeah I, I guess so i mean i i guess i by the sounds of it i probably enjoyed this song a little more than you did yeah uh because i actually kind of like that staccato string section like to kind of kick off the track and it kind of goes through the entire thing just the quarter notes everything like that i, I kind of yeah. like that um there were a lot of great moments of having certain notes emphasized as well you'll notice like certain quarter notes were like just pounded heavier than the other ones so i thought that was yeah. really cool good like um, good accented notes, d- good addition there. 
two already very wide sounding percussive sounds, so that was really cool. Um, the song is easy to get caught in. Uh, the pacing is contagious, and again, it's just well accented by the drums. Uh, the composition of everything else does a good job at falling hard, hard on the beats too. So I mean, like it just it makes it much more consumable to just like even like the most casual listeners. So I, like mm-hmm. a song like that will work for this one. <clears throat> um, it's like a little. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just trying to like go through my notes here to make sure I'm Crazy not repeating notes again. Well, yeah, because I feel like at some point I'm just repeating myself. So I just want to make sure that like everything's kind of good to go here. Yeah. The, the the cool thing about the song it's like especially with that like staccato beat like it's a, it's a little too hard thumping to be smooth but there's still something of like a quiet flowing piece about the track i guess i don't know it, it it's hard to describe the way i was thinking about it especially at the time but like i didn't know where to set the song where it's like if it's chill enough or maybe it's just like the percussion is just heavy enough to you know pump a little more energy into the track but i don't know i i like this one yeah um, I don't agree entirely, and I lack any further notes. No wonder, then. I, I mean, I mean, no worries, then. That's what I meant to say. Not no, <laughs> no wonder. No wonder your opinion sucks. In. No, I put no all wonder of I'm my the better host <laughs> into the. I'm going to look past that. Um, I put all my thoughts into the last seven songs. Well, I mean, we're getting there now, so I guess we can flip the record over to side B and start the ninth suite. So the first song in this side of the album, A Dream of Sheep. Okay, okay. So I do have to say, uh, call back to the Dream Theater episode. The sound bites are kind of reminding me of that. But the image that I got in my head was definitely supported by them. So I I shall accept. Um, So I hear water rushing on the shore and seagulls and... um, this this female voice that come come here with me love is the water calling to her is she walking into the water and killing herself i i don't know if that's the case but it does yes obviously has a lot to do with water yeah yeah because that's that's the feeling i get and the vibe from this song is just like she's just something something inanimate is calling to her like maybe a voice in her head is like, go, go do it. And then she went and went there or like went into the water. Um, But overall uh, this song kind of feels like the song they play live where she doesn't play piano on any other track, but she plays on this one to really impress those who don't know that she knows how to play piano. And I was like super down for it. I really like that. And I don't know if it's nylon strings on the guitar, but it sounds very Latin inspired. And I was also down for that, too. As far as I'm concerned, uh, the back half of this album and the entire suite, it's almost completely based in European style music and nothing of like Western influence, almost like almost nothing at all. And so that's why, like, in later songs, you'll definitely hear different, like, influences and styles in there, just, like, different, like, cultures all together. Yeah. And also, she has, like, Irish heritage, too, so, like, coming up from the jig of life, for I example. Was, oh, so into that. Spoiler. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead a little bit here, because uh, part of what Shane wrote about some of his favorite songs, he, this one wasn't listed as a favorite, but he did mention the uh, these three songs, uh, And Dream of Sheep, Under Ice, and Waking the Witch, because mm-hmm. uh, it might go with what you you were saying actually kind of does um 
Let's see here. It's, it just says, yeah, that combination of those three songs. The three songs work together as one piece, telling the story of a woman struggling to life lost at sea, waiting for rescue as she fades between dream world and reality. Mm. And that so these songs venture more into the artsy side of Bush's songwriting. So she's not dead yet. It's kind of like, uh, God, there was something like that, too. Not Castaway, but I mean, I guess you can kind of compare it to that if you want to. There's something else that kind of had that story behind it, too. I don't know. But regardless, like Titanic is what you're thinking of. That, too, I suppose. Yeah, that (laughs) definitely works. And I I mean, I'm assuming that Shane probably knows a little more about this album than not like I do or you do or anything like that. So it's in by listening to the songs, it kind of sounds like that, too. You could probably get those ideas. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't have a lot to write for the song because it's only two minutes and forty five seconds. It's quite minimal. I mean, like, there's not a whole lot going on in the track, but goddamn, is it pretty? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this track is a really good display of her much more passionate vocal style because it's very quiet, almost whispered, but like it's still just done very well. It's really nice to have like a track like this on here. Again, it acts as a great cool down because this is coming right after uh, cloud busting, right? So I mean, again, mm-hmm. bringing down the energy a little bit and. We still have more album to go, so it's not like it's going to stay quiet the entire time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I did, because I had read Shane's note ahead of time, like, because it's obviously in our request forms, I did write that it's a good a good start to a trilogy of songs that feels like a progressively unsettling dream sequence. Um, but uh, apparently the entire back half is in a whole concept called The Night Suite, as I said before. I, I don't really know how to connect it too much, so I mean, like, someone's probably going to be a better at explaining that than me. Mm. I I have um, descriptions of my visuals for literally every song from here on out. So I feel like she probably made her point if someone who has never heard her or the album got something out of it, which sick. I like it. All right. Well, let's see how uh, how well your visions go after this. Let's move on to the next song. Song number seven, Under Ice. Okay, so my first note, just unrelated, was strings at equal intervals again. And that then that emoji where he's got like a really zigzag mouth. Very just, just not my thing. Okay. I like strings. Awesome. Not my thing. Um, anyways, I find this song like a kind of like a decent interlude song. It definitely wasn't sort of a feature to me, but it was kind of like a connection to the one before and after. Um, again, I still found the ch- sound bites kind of cheesy, but less so once you really put it in context of what I assume this song is about. Um, I am convinced this sequence of songs is her dying or just walking into the water and washing away. And I would probably get the beginning of this song and cloud busting confused. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I, I didn't get that idea. I think it's just the <laughs> constant strings. That's possible. But yeah, I guess the whole idea of like, yeah, her like kind of in the process of dying, it's either that or yeah, she's kind of like kind of in the middle of passing out, which is very much like a, a hypnagogic state, I guess, which is like, you know, that that state of being awake coming out of your sleep or like kind of still being conscious going into sleep and I know. Hypnagogic states are like that thing where, you know, people say they wake up in the middle of the night and see someone standing at the foot of their bed or in the uh, corner of their room, but it's yeah. not actually there. It's because your dream state still kicked in in your in your waking life because you're still like in that fog. So that's why people see ghosts uh, when they wake up in the middle of the night. 
spooky. That also explains like the whole sleep paralysis demon thing. Ooh, I've never had that, and I pray pray that I never do. That's just freaky. I I I have had sleep paralysis. And I still get, it, but I don't see the demon. I don't see no, nothing sitting on my chest. I just I, I I'm aware that I'm awake, but I can't move and I can't make sound. So like I just literally have to jerk my body until I finally like snap out of it. That's that's weird. It Holy sucks cow. too, especially if you're like super hot under your blanket or you're like in an uncomfortable position. Like and you, can you feel know your arm them. Yeah. Yeah, and like you can't just simply roll over. Like your body is still unconscious and asleep, but like your mind is awake. So it's like people like in you know comatose, but like you're conscious, but you can't yeah. tell people that you are. Like oh, that dude who's in a coma for like twelve years. Like that sucks. That's scary. I hate that. Uh, but anyways, I guess I should talk about under the ice, huh? <laughs> Um, interesting sound design in this track. I thought it was great. A, a, like a lot of moving parts creating like a lot of mental imagery. I mean, obviously that worked well for you. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I do like the ambience of the track overall and the mood. It kind of just adds to the progressions of the songs. But with that said, unfortunately, like because we score songs individually, it's mm-hmm. hard to give this one like a higher score. Like if it was part of a this three song collective, it was if it was just one song, then it'd probably get a higher score, because it does flow nicely and appropriately from one to the next. I yeah. do enjoy it for that sake, but because like there wasn't a whole lot to this song, and it kind of felt like you know the interlude between like the three tracks. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that I tanked this song, but at the same time, just like I unfortunately had to score it lower, just because it didn't give me much as a song individually. Yeah, I can see that. But I, d- I do still like it, though. Like, I don't want to tank, uh, tank on it too much or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, I, I pretty much have just just as much as you did. Fine and dandy. So it's time for Waking the Witch, song number eight. Uh, the first minute or so of this track definitely gives me the feeling of, again, that hypnagogic state that I just mentioned before. Like, the entire, like, first, like, yeah, minute and a half, where just, like, you just hear all these voices telling you to wake up. It's like, oh, what's that? what's that over there? What's that over there? Yeah. There? Like, you just keep hearing all these, like, weird voices and sounds. Like, that's kind of what it uh, made me feel like until, uh, obviously, the song kind of takes a darker turn. Uh, around, like, the minute 20 point or so, it goes quite avant-garde. I mean, like, very much so. It's a very theatrical track. Um, a lot of mental imagery that feels very difficult to piece together, and I think that's kind of the point because if you're in this, like, dreamlike state, nothing's supposed to make sense. Yeah. So that works really well. And the dynamic range on this song, again, is also kind of crazy, just jarring things kind of coming out left and right. But given the theme, that it's allowed to be this jarring and intense because it makes sense. And nothing's, like, too extreme. Like, nothing just comes in so hard that you have to, like, lift the earphones off your uh, your head. Yeah. I, so I do like it. I like what it's doing. Quite the storytelling track here. I don't know. I just really like this one. Um, my first note just is this a concept album? Because just listening to it, because I made I made the bulk of these notes, if not all of them, my first go. So like I had no idea, and it literally the back half. I tried to fit the first four or five into this, but it didn't really seem like it fit, but it still felt like a concept album in a way. Um, You're half. (laughs) That's better than wrong. Um, I feel like this song would be sort of the apex of the film where they sort of wake up in the hospital and there's just chaos all around them because this is just not where I thought this song was going to (laughs) go at all. Um, I, 
I find that this song sounds pretty interesting. And I think that I would be able to pick out something new every time I listen to it. That's possible because, yeah, there's a lot of layers going on. There's just a lot of things that kind of come in and out and everything like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, I started writing my notes on the third listen because, like, literally the first two listens, like, I was going somewhere, like, physically traveling somewhere. So to there, I listened to the entire album because I was able to. And then on the way back, I listened to the album again. And so then the third time was the next day. And that's when I started writing my notes. So I was like a little more familiar with things. Yeah, that's that's a for something like this. I feel like that's a better way to go, because my literally my first listen, I did all my rankings. And when I re-listened to it this afternoon, there were some of them that I literally uh I don't know how to phrase it. I uh, I amped up, I pumped up the uh, the points by literally maybe three. I say literally so many times, like three. So one of them was like a four out of ten, and I like raised it so much because I listened to it, going, "Okay, I see where there, I see where she's coming from. I'm getting it. I'm getting it." Oh, see, that's why you should write your notes on the very first listen. Then, well, I'm <laughs> getting it. I'm getting it. <laughs> Um, 32 episodes later, phew, she's finally catching on. <laughs> yeah, 33, 33 years later, and there's still lessons I need to learn in life. Oh, I mean, that's um, going to be until the day you die. That's every, that's everybody. Yeah. Um, I have one line that's literally just, you know what? Compilation time, every time I say literally. Um, that is just capital letters, church bells. That's it. I... Love it. Don't care. I don't even care if it's just an entire like album of church bells on the hour, every hour. I'll take it. I love it. Um, And I find that the plucking guitar and the bells start to mesh together, which really give it an interesting sound. I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not so big on the bells, but like, I like, I do like the, like the plucky style guitar, like, especially the one that kind of comes in at that darker turn in the song too. I think it's a bass guitar. I could be wrong though. Like I'm, I was, it could be like just played on the higher strings. I I, I don't really know. And I can't find the accurate information on it, but whatever it is, I do like it. I thought that was really cool. Um, As I said, just quite avant-garde overall. I do like it. Yep. Yeah. I like the song. It's sort of wacky, but it definitely creates an image. Oh yeah. All right, so song number nine now, Watching You Without Me. Kind of sounds like jug blowing at the beginning. Jug blowing. Yeah. Yeah, I had to Google that to see if that was the right term, but uh, that's kind of how it feels. I liked it. Um, Be... (sighs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm going through my notes and and some of them I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel that way anymore. Um, but one of them, there are those damn seagulls again. So maybe this is the, you know, coming back to reality type thing because she never really left, I guess. So she's hearing all the actual real world sounds. Um, it definitely definitely sounds like my headphone cord is broken or just the taking in of that other female voice is incredibly cut and stuttered. I, I forced the headphones on to try and piece together what was being said, but I didn't really make out too, too much. Um, and I wasn't sure, but I did write, does, does watching you without me mean that she's now a spirit? Like, is That's... she dead now? 
That's a good question, especially considering like the next song, couple songs coming up, but we'll get there momentarily. Yeah. Um, I personally felt like the song was kind of a, felt like a bit of a sleeper until the second half. Like I, it, it didn't catch me too much in the beginning. Um, there are some really cool bass exaggerations and flares going on throughout the track, so I thought that was really cool. Even like mm-hmm. in quiet layers, the quiet layers happening throughout the uh, first part of the track or so. Uh, it feels far more minimal and than the other, even the other quiet tracks on this one. So I mean, maybe that's why I wasn't picking up too much. And considering how much she puts into each song, even if it's like a very small, minimal layer, like this, it still feels more full. This one didn't really give me that idea. Yeah. But yeah, just on the story itself, um, I'm gonna read this verbatim because this is like the longest note I have. I know we don't look into song lyrics too much on this show, as mentioned previously, but considering the entire back half of the album is a concept called the Ninth Suite, again, as mentioned previously, I guess this song fits what's happening in the narrative. The backwards singing was strange to hear, but as experimental as Kate has been with this album, it shouldn't really come as much of a surprise. And also, too, I did kind of, uh, I read up on that, too. I read the lyrics to the backwards singing, and she's literally saying things like, uh can you hear me? Can you understand me? Or something like that. So mm-hmm. I guess it kind of goes with the narrative of this character, like trying to maybe communicate somehow, some way, and just like, obviously maybe not completely there. So not able to do it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I read a lot of different versions of this. It could have to have to do with like a witch hunt as well. Mm. Uh, like still in the water, like a witch hiding in the water until people stop looking, but then eventually the witch like drowns and dies and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I read, I've read quite a few interpretations. Yeah. Although, I mean, appara- apparently Kate Bush herself in an interview has explained the entire back half, so there is, like, a, a legitimate <laughs> explanation out there. I just didn't yeah. get into reading it, unfortunately. I probably yeah. should have, because, you know, research makes us look smarter in the show. Yeah, and I don't do any. Uh, I just like to look impressive when what I think is actually what is presented, yeah. and I'm pretty glad that I'm not too far off, maybe a little farther than uh, than Primus, but Still not too far off. I was okay with that. Well, we're gonna have to get into those scores shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I did. I that one was okay. Uh, again, not huge on it. Maybe the second half was all right, but overall, just meh for me. Yep. But we can move on to track number ten now. Jig of life. Sounds like you like this one a lot. So why don't you go ahead and kick it off? All right. First line, all caps. Fiddles. Yes. Okay. Where is this going? <laughs> Um, I kind of like this one. Um, there's something about it that I don't hear often enough. And like I say in the new music review, that I would put this one on the playlist. Like for sure. I like it. One day you're going to have to show off nice. that playlist. You're, you're kind of setting yourself up. Every time I say that, I think of you saying that. And then I think, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Oh. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to act because just kind of off topic here, uh, sort of, um, I have my own Spotify playlist where I just add the three songs. So I always keep track of them. You know, easy it would be to just add those to a second playlist. Haven't done it. So one of these days I will do it and I will do it under the rate the record name and I will give the link. So anybody who wants to hear things that I like, it'll be there. We can make a separate playlist on YouTube for rate the records, rate the records, Savannah's picks, like that kind of thing. Well, there you go. Now, now it's out there in the world, and I have You're more than obligated. you. You're obligated. Yeah. Now, now I have more than you to keep me, uh, keep me accountable. Crack for that. the whip. Get working. <sighs> um, spe- speaking of uh, aggressive, um, damn, she really went for those aggressive vocals. 
I liked it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I because again, as I mentioned before, she does have like Irish heritage and everything like that. So mm-hmm. I guess she she really wanted to like. Not that she hasn't already gone all out on this album as it is, but I mean, like, for this one particular, maybe it meant a little more to her in the end. Yeah. Uh, This is a hell of a long note I have for this one, so I'm just going to go ahead and read (laughs) it straight off the sheet here. Seems like Kate isn't shy about jumping styles within the album. For someone who's considered a pop artist, digging into your Irish roots must be a difficult thing to do properly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Though there's touches of it on the B side of this album, the obvious Celtic charge of this track is a testament to that. And also, just to note, in case I'm getting anything wrong here, I am geographically dumb with musical cultures, as I proved to Mr. Bungle. Uh, so, I mean, I'll be careful with that, what I say f- beyond here regarding it. But if I get anything wrong, just please correct me. It's fine. It's all good. I'll yep. admit that I'm wrong. But, I, I, I mean, this is very much Celtic. <laughs> I mean, you, I don't think you can mistake that. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of funny because, like, the vocal melody itself, and even just the melody overall, Maybe just the background melody, I guess, feels kind of monotone throughout the entire progression of the verse, but like it feels fitting with the mood and the color of the song itself. Because I mean, it's it's painting itself to be like something of a kind of a darker track, not dark like like you know any other dark track, but like just this one's not like one of those bright, shiny kind of songs. Yeah, that and the composition. And flow are just like a little like mysterious and somewhat bouncy, which kind of makes for like an entertaining listen overall. Which I, I thought was a kind of a good mix because, like, again, it, yeah, it does have that kind of, like, dark, mysterious vibe to it. But at the same time, it's just because of its style, it's, like, it, it feels kind of, like, I don't know if danceable is the right word. But, I mean, like, you know, you're, you're bouncy. That's why I use that. You're just kind of doing yep. this the entire time. Okay, I'm glad that you said that because that segues right into my next point. Um I felt like this song is her partying in the afterlife, like those images of skeletons dancing in hell. Um, I imagine that it's just this huge, you know, to do. I am very pleased that the fiddles continued on throughout the song and weren't just at the beginning, because that definitely lends itself to the feeling of sort of a party or some sort of, you know, you have, you have this band stand, standing on haystacks while everybody's just you know living it up in a barn i loved it i think it's quite the opposite i don't think there's a party going on at all it well it it just it felt i don't know it kind of gave me an upbeat it's because of the style of music i guarantee it yeah well either way i'm gonna keep that image because i liked it um, it's it's kind of like when I ruined certain bungle songs for you when you had like this up party idea I'm like no it's songs about suicide anyway <laughs> those were good times alright last note I've seen Lord <laughs> of the Dance live so I think I could whip out a few moves to this song I would like to see you try I'll make for a good TikTok you can finally upload to TikTok sorry uh, Savannah's gonna ma- finally make that playlist oh she's gone all the time she broke her leg <laughs> Well, if you break your leg, that's fine. You have more time to add to the playlist then. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Perfect. Um, And I did mention David Bowie earlier uh, in this one because I wrote the note here. I love her almost Bowie-like exaggerations in some of her phrasings. Like, not even just this song. Like, it's been in a lot of the different songs, too. Like, you just – I kind of get that – that feeling from her when she's singing. It's good to hear someone putting all they have in something and not, not really shying away from it. And as I said before, like I, maybe she was influenced by Bowie. Maybe Bowie was influenced by her at some point. Maybe they both influenced each other. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But like I don't know. They they both have similar qualities when it comes to like really kind of like putting like emphasis and just 
I want. I don't want to say carny t- or cartoony flair, but if I say that, I think you'll know what I mean. Yeah. Just kind of putting that flair into their vocals. I think that's. I, I think it's really cool. It's it's enter- it's entertaining. It's yeah. fun. Like purposely putting it there. It's not. It's not a hundred percent natural. It's intentional. Yeah, like you you just really want to like add to the emotion of the song, like the narrative, yeah. the situation. Like you have to emphasize certain points, so you just really put yourself in there. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, it's just voice. Do. It's like voice acting, totally. And I bet both of them would be really good voice actors. I mean, David Bowie is technically an actor, so I mean, like, he did it. So I don't know if Kate Bush ever started in the movie or did any sort of voice work, but I think she would have been great for it. I agree. All right. So the penultimate track now, song number 11, Hello, Earth. The song kind of sounds like an ascension, like she's drifting off to a better place. Uh, The heavenly voices sort of beckoning her forward. Um, I felt slightly unsettled by this song. Oh yeah. Um, the, I like the introduction of the acoustic guitar as the voices get more intense and direct. And I I don't know, really know how to describe this. Um, I do picture it obviously, but after listening to this, I feel like my soul has been sucked out of my body in a dramatic fashion. Like when someone's lying down and they're they're lifted into the air chest first. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I imagined this song being. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Because especially if this is still in that narrative of the lady dying in the, the water, like losing consciousness or whatever, like this could, yeah, very well be here. Like she's already kind of up in the cosmos and stuff because... Yeah. The whole thing of like, hello, Earth, just with one hand, I can blot you out. Peekaboo, peekaboo, like that whole narrative yeah. there in the, the lyrics. Like, I didn't read the lyrics, but I could definitely make that out. So yeah, yeah. that's the imagery it gave me. Um, yeah, th- there's something, as you said, unsettling. There's something peaceful, but yet unsettling about this track. It has like a feeling of sadness, even with its like yeah. brief pickup around the one minute mark or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, that muffled choir around like 120, it's definitely a little chilling. It has something of like a dirge quality to it. So that probably adds to this, this feeling that she probably has passed by now. Mm-hmm. So I think that works really well. And I think fun little fact, like I, I actually read up on this song specifically because I, I was so interested by it. It's like the choice to use that choir part. Apparently, uh, Kate had a very hard time uh, writing this song because like she, she had like all the basic parts. But when those choir parts came in, originally there was nothing there. And she knew she wanted to put something there like that. And apparently she like wrote her own choir parts that turned out in her own words like garbage. Uh, so, but then I think this is like a sample from like a vampire movie or something from like the seventies. I don't, I don't really remember the exact note, but regardless, yeah, it was like a song or a sample that she had heard and wanted to use. So then she put it in and it's there now and it sounds great. Um, yeah, as the track progresses, it kind of takes you on like some waves of emotion. Like you, you have your, your peace, your sorrow or mourning, maybe like little bits of like fear and uncertainty. So, like, there's a lot to feel when you're listening to this one. It's, mm-hmm. like, really pretty but dark, which I'm I'm completely fine with. I like tracks like this. Uh, I think this could have worked as an ender, but then again, like, I can see why it would have had made everything hung up on a very, like, ominous and ambiguous note. So maybe parts of it, part of me feels like it would be a good ender, but then another part's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe it's good where it is. Yeah, it'd be like like those movies where it's, like, the end question mark so it's uh yeah i don't know i don't really have any any more notes on that one but uh definitely heavy 
imagery coming from that to me for sure yeah Although I, I, this next song though, the final track, the morning fog, I definitely feel like if if this isn't like you know an afterlife scenario, then this is like she survived in the end type thing. That's this yeah. gives me like uh, end credit sequence type music, and I mean the lyrics are like you know I'll, I'll I'll tell my mother, tell my father, tell my loved one, tell my brother how much I love them. Like that's like the the last bit of lyrics in the song there. Yeah. Yeah, like this this feel this felt like an entire night sequence, like I mean the entire back half of the album. So this song felt like the beginning of a new day, mm-hmm. uh, aka the morning fog. Uh there's a lot of cool smooth bass work through this track. Feels very playful. I thought that was fantastic. Um a very abrupt but positive ending to the track. You got these like swelling synths throughout the entire track. Uh playful strings and almost sleepy sounding Kate and a gentle kind of background upbeat vocals really left everything like feeling right by the end of it. So again, I'm not certain how this narrative ends, but it's either she survived or she's passed on and kind of accepted it. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> um, so the beginning of this one definitely brought uh, thoughts of David Bowie's ashes to ashes. Um, just sort of the, uh, I, I don't know if it's a synth part at the beginning, but it definitely had the same sort of tone quality to it even though this one i believe this one's a little faster in tempo possible yeah but uh now the route that i took with this was i assumed that she had passed away so it felt like now she's in heaven and they do play some cool bass lines in heaven um i imagine walking through a meadow and the background uh vocalists are angels playing woodwinds um and I like this song. It is literally indescribable why. There is something about the the sound, the imagery. There's something about it that just, I don't know, it, it kind of fills me with some sort of unwavering optimism, I guess. And it's not often that I, I walk away from songs, whether in my personal life or even just doing this podcast, that I walk away thinking, like, I feel different. And I felt like that with this one. Well, I mean, like, even on top of the song, this entire album was, like, quite the experience. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the back half being, like, a concept. I mean, like, so just it took you this whole story. Uh, musically, it played out very well, kind of, like, showing you the emotions that you should be feeling at this point and didn't exactly tell you lyrically, this is how you should be feeling. The music mm. did that, and that's fantastic when it does that. So the fact that the song, this song ended the album, I mean, like, I guess I just wanted to show you, hey, that dream sequence is over. It's either everything's better now or she's in a better place, either or. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I left with a positive feeling regardless of how many seemingly negative images I was getting leading up to that. And I I think that's a pretty good ending. Well, keep that positive feeling with you as we come to the conclusion of the album, Kate Bush, Hounds of Love. We've discussed it at length, uh, one part of the review that we do, and we're going to be moving on to part two in a minute. But thank you very much for sticking around this long. If you have so far, maybe that means that you like what we've been doing and like how we talked about the album. We've we want to know your feelings on the album, too, so you can always let us know. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share, rate, follow, all those things. Uh, help build the musical community and help make uh, Kate Bush's Hounds of Love part of our musical wall that we just keep building up and up and up. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, there's a lot to feel in this album, so we'd be very curious to hear your opinions on it. Uh, so now, I guess, yeah, we could just go right into the song rankings because, I mean, we're there now and, I mean, boom, above our heads. Graphics just changed. Oh, that was weird. You got names. You got numbers. But now they need song titles as per usual. Um, I'll get into Shane's after we finish ours. He kind of gives me a couple here and, like, not a whole lot, but, I mean, he gives his favorite song. But So I'll get to that at the end. Uh, I mean, of the song rankings. So we can start ours now, though. And by the way, in case you're curious... On my list, as I usually keep, I have five question marks and the rest are X's. <laughs> no no check marks, though. Just five question marks. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say we will match on three. I'm feeling a little optimistically ambitious. Okay. I mean, you, you, left, you left the album with a positive feeling, and now you're bringing yeah. that into the song rankings. Let's manifest this. Let's make it, let, right. let the universe make this happen if you believe let's, in that kind of thing. Let's do this. We will not match on this first one. No, we won't. No, song number 12, Watching You Without Me. Cloud busting. Cloud busting. Yeah. I got f- something funny to say about that, but I, I got to wait. Uh, song number 11, Mother Stands for Comfort. Hounds of Love. Hounds. I'll write Hounds of Love there. Uh, let's just see here. Okay, so I, I just want to make sure. So, yeah, Cloud Busting was next, and Hounds of Love was also next. Okay, so we're, we're on track so far. Mm. Number 10, Under Ice. And dream of sheep. Sheep. Uh, that was a question mark. That is an X. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here. Number nine. Morning fog. Watching you without me. Watching. Uh oh, we're dropping off a little bit here. Uh, <laughs> Number eight. Jig of life. Under ice. Close. Closest one so far. Song number seven. And dream of sheep. Mother stands for comfort. Number six, Hounds of Love. Running up that hill. It's always an uphill battle. Jeez. And you thought there was going to be three. Yeah, well, I'm also dumb, so. Some, number five, Waking the Witch. Hello, Earth. Oh, God, I, this is a zero at this point. I'm almost guaranteeing it. It is. Uh, well, number four, Cloud Busting. Jig of Life. Jig. Uh, we have one <laughs> one that we can do. Let's. Uh, it's, Don't let's mess see. this one up. Uh, no, that that's your job to not mess it up. Song number three, Hello Earth. God damn it, the big sky. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we got zero. <laughs> God, so much of that positive energy. Okay, big sky. Number two, Running Up That Hill. Waking the Witch. Waking. And number one, The Big Sky. The Morning Fog. Morning Fog. Well then, a complete zero match. Wow. Once I learn how to whistle, like dog whistle, I'm going to start doing that. But and, and then I just edit it out and no one will even know that you ever did it. And, and all it is is just me sticking my fingers in my mouth and with cricket noises and that's it. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll put all the cartoon sound effects from like Hanna-Barbera cartoons while you do it. <laughs> oh, good. You were drinking just, while you said that. Oh, my God. All, all, I, all I hear is like, you see me clapping while you hear boing and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, just a bunch of really dumb noises and everything like that. <laughs> oh, so, Lord, zero. I did mention before, too, I had something funny to say about uh, when you said number 12, cloud busting. Shane's notes. My favorite pick from this album would have to be cloud busting. That's funny because when we did TV on the radio, uh, Scott's favorite song was also your. Not, no, actually, that's not true, but still, one that you liked was kind of like way the hell up there. 
or the one that he liked. Yeah, that's right. You can ignore me. That's fine. Right. And he also, uh, Shane says, yeah, what? one of his favorite songs is Cloud Busting. As a song, it managed to be both driving and emotive with a stripped down ensemble of synth strings and percussion. It tells a story inspired by the psychiatrist and philosopher Wilhelm Reich. As a side note, the music video for this song is fantastic. I meant to watch it, but then I completely forgot to because also, you know, like I, I have a job during the day, so I just yep. completely left my head there. And then, yeah, that's when he made the uh, the comments too about Andream of Sheep, Under Ice, and Waking the Witch, just kind of feeling like a cohesive three-piece story there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and um, just say that this show in its entirety is a demonstration on how different human beings are. Really, it's just a social experiment. So I don't think anybody should, don't say a thing. I don't think that anybody should be disappointed or upset at me for not liking the songs you like. It just shows that I'm an individual with individual tastes. Neither of which are better. The end. I mean, if you want to talk about, like, you know, uh, seeing how human beings are different, just go on Twitter or something. I mean... No, no, I'm never doing that. That's dumb. (laughs) Every opinion on there, no matter what it is, gets trashed. So, I mean, hey, welcome to YouTube. No, I don't want to know that other people's opinions are different. I just have to express my opinion. Ah, very (laughs) one-sided. Gotta love it. Alrighty then. So those are the song rankings. Let's go to the finale of this podcast now. Let's go rate the record immediately following this transition. Zoom. Well, here it is. The rating list, as if you expected anything else, because it's that part of the podcast where we take Kate Bush's Hounds of Love, you know, that album that Shane requested, and throw it somewhere on our big, huge, prestigious list. And I say huge because, my God, it's getting stacked, especially that B tier. B as in beautiful look at that oh yes yeah, so nice. as in could be better no i don't want to say that b b tier is a good thing to be yo hell yeah no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah anyways yes it's time to find out exactly where kate bush will be headed on this list so why don't you go ahead sir and tell me exactly what you gave this album 73 75 no bullshitting this time yeah i was gonna say usually you kind of like pussyfoot a little bit and like beat around the bush no i was that two puns in like 30 seconds? Didn't mean that, but I guess so. <laughs> yeah, no pun intended. Um, but uh no, I I had absolutely no expectations going into this album. Um I it did rank it higher than I thought because uh past I guess experiences uh normally in the 60s. So anytime it's north of 70, I'm actually pretty pleased with myself. So yeah, and also I, I think that aside from Grapes of Wrath, you usually give not so great scores to the request albums. Okay, I think it's just because they're always ones that I've never heard. And like I said, I kind of do the ratings on my first listen, which I'm starting to see might be a mistake. At least start so, on the second. <laughs> At least. Well, like like Scoob. Yeah, but I don't <laughs> I don't have a very good working memory. So if I don't write down how I feel the first time and then I look at my notes going, yeah, I got it all down. So I'm, I'm a work in progress. Um, much unlike this album because I actually, I liked it. Well, enough to put it into the B tier for yeah. you personally, that would be, uh, I believe that's just straight B. That's not even B minus. 
But it's interesting, 73.75 for your score. Yeah. Mine's pretty much right on the doorstep of that. 74.16%. So goddamn close. I feel so good about that. Which means our average is bought, brought to 73.95%. Just on the, the hinge of 74. <laughs> Between uh, TV on the radio and Pearl Jam. Wow, two request albums like back to back with each other. So mm-hmm. Kate Bush will essentially be there when I decide to go ahead and fix this list. Another B tier, and so like plain beer tier t- as well, too. Yeah, it's, Not- it's a pass. It is definitely a pass. And like I said, at least one of those songs is literally on my day to day playlist now. So excellent. And just a heads up to uh, Shane didn't give a particular like rating to this album. Just that he really really enjoys it and hopes that we do as well. Well, guess what, Shane. We did. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, there you have it then. Yet another B tier. I'm telling you, season two is the season of the B. Because, I mean, that's the vast majority of what we've done so far in season two. It's crazy. Season three has to be like the season of A tiers. Like, it's got to do something. We're we're busting up, you know. We're we're moving on up. Or maybe the, the maybe the even uh, the odd number seasons will be the tank seasons, but then the even number will be the really big season. So season three is going to be like D tier galore, and then season four is going to be nothing but A and S. Yeah. But hey, I mean, I guess B tier is still good enough. It passes. So hey, that's what we thought about it. And Shane obviously really likes the album too, hence why he requested it. And don't forget, you can request albums to description down below. There is a link to the Google document. Very short form. Go ahead and fill it out. Let us know what you want us to listen to. We'll tell you what we think about it. We'll be very honest about it, as we have been in the past. Trust me. I mean, if you want to know how nervous, uh, not nervous, how how uh, serious we've been about reviewing requests, just go back and watch, like, the Weezer or Brooks and Dunn episode. <laughs> we just came out of the gate just guns a-blazing, really. Well, the fact that the first request was Weezer and we're both just like, ugh. (laughs) (coughs) No. Sorry about that. (laughs) Anyways, that is the end of the show now. So thank you very much for making it this far. If you sure enough did like, subscribe, comment, rate, share, follow, whatever. I think I've just repeated a couple words, but that's okay. Do all of that anyways. Musical community, help build it. We want you to be a part of it and others like you. So just to make sure that happens, make sure you leave ratings and comments on those audio platforms so more people like you can come on in and join in on this. I wanted to say love fest, but that feels wrong to say. But you know what I mean? The big music fest. How about that? Love fest. Love fest. Love. I'll take it. Uh, okay. Uh, we, we'll, I'll let you have that one then. I'll take the word music fest. It, just, <laughs> it sounds a little safer to say. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, it's 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 been quite the episode, quite the artsy album to get into. Really enjoyed that one. And, again, just remember to uh, let us know what you thought about it, too. But you don't just have to do that here on YouTube or on the audio platform that you happen to be listening to. We do have social media, too, so you can always follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Rate the Record Podcast. We are over on Twitter at Rate the Record. And, of course, we have Kofi, although that's not social media. But make sure, if you do want to support us financially, that completely optional thing, you can do that, too. Kofi.com slash Rate the Record. Woo! Ooh, I just uh, I always turn it into a word salad at the end there, and it just makes me dizzy. Oh, that's okay. I'll handle the rest. That's fine because just before we head off this episode, we do like to give a sneak preview of what we are uh, listening to next week. Savannah has chosen the album, so why don't you go ahead and uh, give us a little hint of what to expect? All right. So next week we have a poppier album from a. Not, uh, I'd say maybe 90s 
neo-psychedelic band whose singer went on to front a band with at least 20 active members. Wow, that's like two Slipknots. <laughs> Are we listening to two Slipknots? We, we're listening to two different Slipknot albums at the same time. So just right on top. So the lead singer is definitely Corey Taylor. And then the other yeah. lead singer, Tori Kaler. <laughs> Actually, what, what, what else is he in? Shinedown? Is that it? Who, Corey Taylor? Yeah. Uh, Stone Sour is oh, the other Oh, Stone one. Sour. Yeah. We're going to listen to Slipknot and Stone Sour together. It's like, yeah. Oh, we got to do two albums in one episode. That's yeah, garbage. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to edit this out because I just, I ruined it. So I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's staying in now. Congratulations. You spoiled it. Damn it. But yes, that's the end of the episode now. So once again, thank you very much for watching. We're going to go ahead and see you again next week. But until then, go listen to some awesome music. So take care, friends. Bye-bye.